Well, we're here today to talk about the importance of fun and fellowship in small groups. Church should be fun. Amen? And, uh, and, and Christians should have the most fun when they're together. In fact, uh, I'm not sure how you can have as much fun with people who aren't believers as when you're with believers, because we're all headed in the same direction. But sometimes church can be boring, and sometimes particularly small groups can be seen as, oh, it's boring, I'm not going to a small group, it's boring. And so my job today is to talk about small groups and help us to understand how, how fun they can and should be, because it's the small group where the real bonding occurs and where the real growth occurs and where the relational steadfastness occurs. Uh, when you get to the book of Acts, uh, you remember Jesus was crucified and, and, and buried and resurrected in uh, April of 33 A.D. And then after the resurrection, he actually stayed on the earth for 50 days. The word 50 is pente. And then 50 days after the Passover, the Jews celebrated the day of Pentecost. And every Jew was required, if possible, to be in Jerusalem for that day. And on that day, the church began. Jesus had... Uh, 49 days with his disciples. Most of that was spent up in Galilee. If you did the Life of Christ series, you know that. He told them three different times, go to Galilee after I'm raised from the dead. And they never did quite get it, but they finally got it. And now on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit shows up and the church starts. There are some outward signs. There's a rushing wind. There are tongues as, fi as uh, there's, uh, there's fire on the apostles and then they begin to speak in other languages the word there is the word dialects and all the people from all over the Jewish world said we actually hear them speaking in other dialectos the wonderful mighty works of God so it didn't matter where you were from if you were from Long Island you could hear a gospel in Long Island hey you guys you need to go to heaven you know and if you were from the south you could hear hey y'all here's what you gotta do to go to heaven so it didn't matter what your dialect was and, and again in the Jewish faith and in the Jewish tradition, they had lived all over the world. They have had different dialects of Hebrew they do today. Yiddish is one of my favorite ones. There's a couple of different pockets of people in the world that talk Yiddish, and we have all these cute little expressions from the Yiddish. It's, it's Hebrew, but they were able to hear them in their own dialect talk about the gospel. Now, Peter ultimately gets up, and he preaches to the multitude there in the temple area. And as the sermon comes to an end, uh, Peter... Uh, invites people to know Jesus. And the invitation is very, very effective. It says, So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added 3,000 souls. So imagine that. The church starts with 3,000 people. Now what are you going to do with them? And what they did with them is what we like to do with them here at TBA. They put them in small groups because it was the small group where they would meet on a regular basis. They, they came to the temple as a big group for a while, but then the Jewish leaders were upset with that. And what we know about small groups is that a successful small group requires three vital relationships. That's the big idea of the day. Would you read that with me? Here we go. A successful, come on, a successful small group requires three vital relationships. So the apostles took these 3,000 people and they started meeting from house to house. We know that when Paul uh, was first uh, trying to persecute Christians, he went from house to house trying to destroy the church. That's what the verse says in, I believe it's Acts chapter 8. And so the church met in houses. And when you are doing small group, you are doing church. 
You know, in the, in the Methodist tradition, they have a wonderful phrase. They say, we're going to do church. Well, we're doing church right now. But you're doing church when you meet with your small group. Just as you can be doing church when you're meeting with one other person as long as you are doing some of the right things. So our focus today is how do we do church? And most importantly today, how do we make it fun? How do we do cannonballs into the baptismal? I like that. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So here we are in Jerusalem. The church is a brand new organism, and they are continually devoting themselves to three things. The first thing they had was the apostles' teaching. I love the word continually devoting. It's a long Greek word. Let me see if I can pronounce it. It's proskartereo. It's the word used of a soldier who is continually defending his post. Isn't that neat? And so he's there every day. I want a soldier, and I love our troops who get up every day and continually defend our nation. But the people in the early church were continually, day by day, on a regular basis, doing these three things. First thing they had was the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching was important because they didn't have what? The New Testament yet. Later, the apostles write the books of the New Testament. But until that point, they did not have the New Testament part of the Word of God. And so the apostles would come and teach, and they did that continually so they could learn what God wanted from them as a church. Now, when you meet in your small group, we made a big change this fall, and every week your small group will be given an insert based upon the passage used in the message. You have the message today based upon Acts 2. And there's an opportunity for you as a small group to study what the apostles taught about this passage. And the last time I preached, which was about a month ago, we talked about the importance of small group study. When your small group meets, you have to commit some time to studying. And there will be things that you will learn from your study as a group that you will never learn on your own. There will be things I will bring out today that you will not see. And then if we met in a small group, you would come up with things that I would never see. And so the insert is there so that as a small group you can dig into the Word of God and that's part of being and doing church. The second thing that they had in addition to the apostles' teaching was fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Say koinonia. Koinonia. And it breaks that out a little bit, the breaking of bread and prayer. They had eating, which I'm a big fan of as you can see. And every time the church met in a home, they would eat. In fact, they would often do what we call a love feast. They would celebrate the, the communion, uh, not with a little piece of bread and a little dip in the wine, but they would actually have a meal. And the first thing they would do would be break the bread and remember the Lord's command, this is my body broken for you. And then they would have the meal, and they would surround the meal. Then with the cup at the end of the service, they'd have the communion together. The, the, the love feast was a part of the early church. Even in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says in the same way Jesus took the cup after supper, part of, the, part of the Passover supper in that context. But that's a good thing to do in your small group. You know, we have communion once in a while here, but I would challenge you in your small group to do that. If you're going to eat anyway, make it a love feast. And then share during the love feast what's going on in your lives. I think that's a part of being in a small group. And then the third thing, it says, praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people, meaning the outsiders. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, one of the goals we have in small group is that we don't get stuck in the same small group forever. We want you to be in a small group for a period of time. 
But if you're in the same small group over and over and over and over and over and you're not looking outward to the rest of the community, then you begin to get what we call the sit, soak, and sour syndrome. Okay? And, and you become a holy huddle and you become a closed society. And we don't want that either. So we come together, we, we enjoy each other, we grow together for a period of time, but the idea ultimately is that people on the outside get involved with people on the inside. And so small groups over time ought to begin to divide and multiply, divide and multiply. Okay? So that's Acts chapter 2. We have three vital relationships. The first is with the Word of God, the second is we, with each other, and the third is with the outside world. The Word of God is based upon the apostles' teaching. They were continually devoting themselves to that. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship, which is called what? Koinonia, say that. And then they were continually involved with outsiders, and they began to build intentional relationships with those that did not know Jesus. And again, that's, a, that's a, one of the key threads at TBA, is we want you to have relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet, so that over time we can love them to Christ. And that's how the church in the New Testament was established. It had some principles that it would abide by, and that's why we continue to do small groups to this day. I want to talk today about fellowship. That's our goal. How do you have fun and fellowship? The word koinonia literally is the close association involving mutual interest and sharing, communion, fellowship a favorite expression for the marital relationship or a business partnership. So when we are in small group, okay, there's a goal in mind. There's a fellowship piece. There's a koinonia piece that's different from just going out and eating together. And if all your small group does is eat, you're not enjoying koinonia. You've got to have the apostles teaching. You've got to have some study time. And you've got to have some actual fellowship. Now how does this take place and what does this look like? Well, in the New Testament, in Luke 5, it says James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners, coin and I, with Simon. Simon is Peter. And they had a business partnership and they had each other's back in business. You know, if one guy didn't catch enough fish, maybe the next guy would catch more fish and they had each other's back. So part of koinonia in a small group is to have each other's back. We're a partnership. We're making a commitment to be on board the way you would with a business partner. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the last verse of this book, Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, there's our word koinonia, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I love that verse. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to have fellowship. When you come to faith in Christ, that Holy Spirit who showed up in Acts chapter 2 comes to live inside you. And if he lives inside you and he lives inside me, there's a bond there. There's a oneness there. And when we are involved in the things of God, we enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that happens sometimes easily, sometimes over a period of time, but the Holy Spirit is the one that makes koinonia happy, uh, happen. And then the third passage, Galatians 2.9, is, is a great passage Paul is writing to the Galatians and he talks about James and Cephas and John who are the pillars or the reputed to be pillars in the Jerusalem church. They gave to me, Paul and Barnabas, the right hand of what? Fellowship, koinonia, so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. See, Paul needed a formal recognition of ministry and he got that right hand of fellowship when he went to Jerusalem and the leaders in Jerusalem 
James and Cephas and John laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and said, We're with you. We have your back. We recognize who you are in the faith. And so again, the word fellowship is, is used of a business partnership. It's used of a marriage relationship. There's a closeness that comes from biblical fellowship. It's more than just an, a surface level of friendship. I also uh, want to talk about what koinonia looks like in a small group. I sat down with my sweet wife, and we came up with a dozen things. And I'm sure you could come up with more, and some of them would be better. Some of these will work for all small groups. Some of these will only work uh, for you in a few small groups. But you need to have a regular time to brainstorm and say, how can we be building koinonia with each other? One of the first things we do when we're in a new small group, and I pretty much do small groups for a living, is we, we play a mixer game. You know what a mixer game is? A mixer game is how to get to know somebody. So we're going to do that right now. When I say go, we're going to play a mixer game. I want you to stand up and meet the person in front of you or behind you. Don't meet the person you're next to unless you, unless you don't know them. Okay, stand up, get a partner, go. Second, have fun with food. As you can see, I love food. I haven't missed a meal yet. Do a theme night, okay? If you want to have Italian, in Italian we say manja, that means eat up, okay? I love Italian. Uh, if you're going to do Mexican food, make sure you either cut back on the beans or eat the beans last at the end of the group, or you'll have fun with music during your group. Okay? Uh, maybe you want to try something more uh, up-tempo. Maybe you want to do a gluten-free meal. There are people who have issues where they're, they're, they're gluten intolerant. Uh, there are people who don't do dairy. You know, I was a vegan for two years. I was the funniest vegan in the history of the world, but we didn't do any... What are you laughing at? We, we didn't do any dairy. And, you know, you can get around some of this stuff and educate and learn about each other. And food is a wonderful thing. You know, Jesus said we're free to eat all foods, but you're also free to choose what not to eat. And so enjoy each other around food. But again, if all you do is get together and eat... You can do that down at the pub. It's got to be couched in ministry. There are some small groups, and, I, and you shall remain nameless, but there are some small groups that they just get together and they party. That's a par nothing wrong with a party, but if you're coming together for koinonia, it has to be more than just the food. Okay? Third, I know this is a, a, a new idea, but you might see a movie or read a book. Have you guys read a book yet in school? Forget it. Good. Uh, and, and you can download it on this thing called the Kindle. You can do that, or you can read a hard copy book, or you can rent a movie, or you can watch it on your computer. You can, and again, have a discussion with your small group about it. Always ask two questions when you read a, a book or watch a movie. What does the movie say about God, and what does the movie say about man? It always makes at least those two statements. Have that discussion in your small group. Make it be a productive thing. Do that with your kids. Uh, two. Number four, uh, do some kind of a service project. You know, we got all sorts of service projects going on uh, in Highland City. But one of the best things you can do to get close to people is work hard side by side and next to them. You know, we're in the beginning of football season. I don't see many people wearing their colors today. How many, who do the Buccaneers play? Where, what colors do you have on? The who? The Saints? Are you a Saints fan? I'm sorry to hear that. Okay. Who do the Bucks play today? The Rams? At what time? Four o'clock. So the Bucks have a chance to be 0 3 today, or is it 0 and 2? 0 and 2. I'm just, I love the Bucks, but uh, it's like USF. I really root for USF, and they break your heart. You know, I'm just 
waiting to be, you know, I root for everybody. I root for UCF. I root for the Seminoles because my kids all went there. My money went there. The Gators had a, had a great game last night, unless you're a Kentucky fan. Kentucky looked really good. You know, but you, you can do a service project. And one of the things about football, it's, it's like going through boot camp. You know, two days, unless you've experienced it, it's just an amazing thing. And so if, if there's a work project to do and you grind that out together, there's a bond that develops, especially if you pray before or during or after that and turn it into koinonia. Uh, family tech help night. You know, I, if I had teenagers, every one of them would be on some kind of an accountability program. Uh, I use Covenant Eyes, those of you who are couples. My wife gets a copy, an email of all the websites I've been to. I want to know where my kids have been. I would, I would monitor every single text that they texted, and there are programs to do that. But maybe as a group, we need somebody to come in and teach us how to do that. Uh, Dropbox, you know, if you're, if you're not backing up your computer, just a practical thing. It's free. Have somebody who's good technologically come in. If you don't have anybody in your group, anybody in the front row here could probably do it very well. Uh, and they will be happy uh, to, to do that. One of, the, one, of the, one of the things I've done over the years is I use the Logos app. Logos is a free computer Bible study app. And if you sit near me during church, you will notice that I open up my phone, and on my phone I have something that will look like this. That's the Logos app, and there are video tutorials of how to do this. And on the left side of my phone, I've got, on the right side of my phone, rather, I've got uh, the passage highlighted that the, that the pastor is talking about. But then say I want to study the word fellowship. I can highlight that and click, and, and Logos comes with about 30 free books. And one of them is a lexicon, and you can see in the lexicon the definition of fellowship is close association involving mutual interests, sharing, association, communion, fellowship. That's what I put up before. I got it from one of my lexicons. So as the pastor is preaching, if I want to know more about a word or a phrase or a parallel passage, I can get there on my phone. And what a great use of a night, sometimes in a small group, teach everybody how to use the Logos app. It's free. It's the best Bible study app uh, that I know. I like them all. If you're a, a U Bible guy, that's great. There's nothing wrong with any of them. But make sure that you help each other in this in this area. Something else that's way fun that I've done over the years is is an iPhone scavenger hunt. You know, come up with a list of a, of, of a dozen or 15 or 20 things and start your small group uh, and then send everybody out. And in the city of Lakeland or in your neighborhood or in their house, they have to take pictures of or videos of or record the ministry of... Oh. Oh. Sorry. Hello. Yes, I, I told you not to call me here. I'm in the middle of my message. Bye. Bye, sweetheart. Another point about small groups is don't bring your phones... Don't even turn them on to vibrate. Just leave them in the car. You will live for an hour without your phone. Okay? So it's not only about what to do, it's about what not to do. You know, when I go to lunch with a businessman, I leave my phone in the car. Just a good habit. It means I'm going to focus on them because I can't help. And they get up and get a glass of water, and I'm checking Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook too much. So, again, again, I only have male friends for the most part. If you're female, I'll generally decline you politely. 
because I don't want to know everything about you that you do during the day. I just want to know the important stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter, and about twice a week I'll tweet. You might go to a concert. We have great concerts available to us. How many of you went to Johnny Diaz's concert last night down in Arcadia? See, you missed it. And it would be a great small group activity to go down there, enjoy each other, enjoy the concert. Or a sporting event. And if you don't like sporting events, it's okay. You can still be an American. It's hard. But we have great sporting events. And you don't have to spend a fortune to go see the Buccaneers lose. You can go to a high school game. You can go to a little league game. You can go to Warner and watch them lose. Just kidding. See? And enjoy that and enjoy each other's and enjoy each other's kids. That can be a great uh, ministry. And enjoy building community when, when you do that. Number 10, you can have a Q&A with me. I will bring my wife if you want. We've done this over the years in different small groups. Maybe there are questions that your small group has and nobody seems to have good answers. I don't have all the answers, but I've been doing small groups for 40 years and I've heard most of the questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do we think the Bible is true? Isn't it too narrow to say that ours is the only way to heaven? What is this ISIS threat? You know? And if I don't know the answer, I'll say I don't know, but I'd be happy to come spend a night with your small group and my wife is way smarter than me. You know, and, and we'd be happy to do that kind of thing. And, and the pastors would too. You know, it's okay. Just enjoy, enjoy that. Uh, have a love feast. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, again, uh, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about a couple other things not to do at small group. Small group is not a time to fix your marriage. So if you come to small group and all you do is hear the same couple unloading over and over again... Here's the deal. Small group, as we define it, is generally too big to fix anybody's marriage. The average small group that we have is closing in on 20 people. It's still small compared to this. But if, if your marriage is in trouble, you need counseling. Small group can pray for you and support you, and you can say, please pray for our marriage. But we don't need to hear all this stuff. People come to small groups sometimes. I call them the professional unzippers. And it's time to pray, and they go, unzip, bleh. We can't fix that in small group most of the time. We can pray for you. And if someone's died or, or is in, in major health issue and crisis, yeah, we want to be with you. We want to live with you. We want to love you. But if it goes on and on and on week after week, you're draining people. Okay? You need counseling. Even Jesus had two small groups. Do you understand? Jesus had the, the 12. Those are the disciples. But you know, Jesus also had a small, small group, Peter, James, and John. And two of them were his cousins, his cousins. So there's a time when the, the stuff that's nearest and dearest to you that maybe you really want to unload something very personal and very private, uh, probably a big small group isn't going to help. Okay. So, so, so try to monitor that, control that. And again, if the same people dominate that week after week, you're not helping your small group if it's always all about you. We're here to help each other, to build each other up. Lastly, open forum. You know, open forum is one of the things I'd like to see in a small group after you've been together a while. And again, we don't want, we don't want 
we don't want to just be with the same small group forever, but we want you to be together long enough to bond. But as the group begins to grow, okay, there might be a time for the group to separate and split up. But you know, it's so nice in here. And just, you know, wherever two or three are gathered, they're a click and form. You know, sometimes if a small group stays together too long, it's like that sponge on the countertop. It sits and it soaks and it sours and then it stinks. You can become a cult in your small group. We don't want that. You know? If all you do is sit around and study the Word, that's good, but it's not what small group is about. And so again, a, a small group's a lot like a train. You know, there are people that when the train stops, there are people get off and then new people get on. And you may have the same core in a small group, but over time, the people ought to be changing if you're doing the right thing because uh, people that don't know Jesus are getting exposed. And what we do in an open forum is we, we invite all our friends into small group who don't know Jesus yet. We have a party because small groups are usually pretty good at having parties after a while. And we invite them to ask whatever question they want about God or life. I will help you with that or there are people I've trained in Lakeland can help you with that. If, if, you, do, if you don't keep some outward focus, then the inward focus gets too inward over time. Okay? So again, you want to stay together for a time, and that's a good thing, but if the same group is together over and over and over and there's never any exposure to new people, then again, you're missing out on the point. We come together so that we can be dispersed out into the world. And there are people you will always be with, and we want you to be with them. But again, we need to be experiencing new relationships and losing some other, not deep relationships, but you understand what I'm saying. Be like the train. So, small group is all about fellowship. We have three vital relationships in small group. The Word of God, if all you do is study the Word of God, you're, you're dry. If all you do is fellowship, you know, again, you get into that holy huddle. And if all you do is deal with the outside world, then you're miss, missing out on koinonia. So all three relationships are important in the early church. And Again, in the outside world, they watched the church in Jerusalem. They looked at those small groups. They know what went on in their neighborhood. Acts 2.47, they were praising God, and in the, the, the people in the church were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So make sure in your small group, over time, there's some exposure to people that don't know Jesus yet. Jesus says this, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's good for people outside to know that, hey, we love each other. And that happens in small group. It happens when there's a crisis, and the outsiders can say, man, their small group got next to them. They loved them through this crisis, whether it was an illness or a death or some tragedy or some major hiccup. Their small group surrounded them, and the outsiders say, wow, I, I, want, I want me some of that. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians. I love this. We'll close with this. And this is our prayer for you and for all of us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for koinonia. We're thankful that you desire to be in fellowship with us and we in turn can enjoy fellowship with one another because the Holy Spirit is in each of us. And we pray that as a church we would be known for koinonia, that people from the outside could look at us and say, as they did in the first century, wow, they love each other. And I pray that as we embark on this new season of small groups that we would enjoy a relationship with your word, 
by means of the insert that goes out every week. And I pray we'd enjoy a relationship with each other in new and exciting ways so that we would encourage each other and motivate each other in our faith. And then ultimately that we would enjoy a relationship with the outside world for our focus is that people that don't know you yet would come to know Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.